Want access to richer content and exclusive analysis on the business of sport? Sports Pro Plus is used by experts across the industry to make informed decisions, with two membership tiers offering access to original content, exclusive reports, and a suite of business intelligence tools. Become a member today at sportspromedia.com forward slash subscribe and use the code FCPOD10. That's FCPOD10 at checkout for a 10% discount. The Football Co. Business Podcast. The most creative minds and innovative thinkers in football. Hello and welcome to the Football Co. Business Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Manby, and this is the podcast in which I talk to some of the most exceptional and innovative people in the world's most popular sport. This week I have two guests, Matteo Kosman and Andrew Dolan, both senior product managers at Adidas Football. We're going to discuss both the business and creative sides of World Cup kit design, as well as looking back at some classics from the Adidas archive, which include the likes of Germany 1990 and France 98. We'll talk about the creative process as well as performance and who these designs are really for. Is it the players or is it the fans? Without further ado, let's get into it. Matteo, Andrew, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Alex. It's, uh, it's great to be here. Thank you, Alex. Uh, it's, it's very cool to be here in this World Cup time. Bit bummed that you're wise out, but uh, I'm going to be okay. Well, there we go. There's, um, there's a terrific set of Adidas kits at this World Cup, I have to say. Is there a single overarching theme with this year's designs? And for context, 2018, I think, became known the kids for having an element of nostalgia, drawing inspiration from past World Cups. How about 2022? Well, for 2022, and I mean, first of all, every time that we create kits at Adidas, we have two main focus. Uh, the first one is provide, in terms of technology and performance, the best for the athlete, meaning to give the, the best tool for the athlete to, to perform at the highest level. And the second one is to properly read uh, a country's uh, DNA and culture and bring it to life in a way that they feel represented and proud of what they're wearing, players and fans. Have you got any examples of that? Uh, a country, for example, uh, a shirt at this year's World Cup where you thought, here's an insight, here's something which we could only do for this nation's shirt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and Andy's also going to share later, and we, we do have each of our kids have a, a, have a story to tell. The main goal when you look at a kid is... You look at it and in two seconds, you're like, wow, banging. Like this is, this is something that talks to me and, and provides an interest. But then if you start unraveling and looking uh, dive deeper into the kit, there's all these stories and details to it that make them a proper uh, rich kit uh, and, and story. Uh, to give you one example about the JFA jersey, one of the surprises I would say from, from this World Cup is the, the story behind both kits, which is around uh, origamis. Origami is a is an artistic expression of Japanese culture. And basically, there's, there's this legend in, in Japan that says that if you create 1,000 origamis, you can have a wish and make a wish. And basically, that's the story behind the, the JFA kids. We want to make this 1,000 origamis, and the wish is to make JFA go as further as possible in the World Cup. And that's why you see this origami graphics all over on the home kit and on the sleeves on the away kit interpreted in, with different, in, in different ways, done in a very modern and, and progressive uh, artwork. And that, that is the story behind the, the Japanese kids. How challenging is it to get that impactful, immediate, wow, I love it moment? Because for me, when I look at a kid, 
It's about the details. Like, you know, and, and, and for example, most kids or all kids of a single national team, particularly the home shirt, will follow a certain pattern, right? You know, you've got to play with the same palette. The Albi Celeste of Argentina can't suddenly play, you know, in red and white. It's, it's baby blue and white. And so how do you innovate within the context of those limitations? So, I mean, I was specifically handling Argentina for this World Cup, huge honor. Uh, first, first international tournament I worked on as Adidas. So obviously it comes with a lot of pressure, um, but everything that we do, we build with insights. We build with the local market, with the federation. And yeah, like you say, an Argentina jersey, you ask everyone, what does it look like? It's blue and white. How different can you make it each time? The, the good thing is, we not only innovate with the appearance, but we have innovate with our base styles here at Adidas. So we bring in new technologies. We have heat ready technology on pitch this time. We have made with partly ocean plastic, meaning each jersey is made with uh, plastic that's intercepted from um, coastal towns um, and and uh, beach resorts. But in terms of the design and the story behind it, for me and working with design this time, it was about, as Matteo touched on, tapping into that authentic national DNA. So. The blue, you can get the blue wrong. We wanted a blue as close to the national flag as we could get it. We brought in details from the flag as well with the Sol de Mayo as a sign-off on the back neck. Uh, and then we also look into jerseys that they've had in the past. We don't want to recreate something that we've had before. So maybe there's an element of inspiration there from a particular jersey or an era that brings in nostalgia for the fan. But with this kit specifically, you'll notice that the front and back are different. They're asymmetrical, something that they've never had before. Not only is that another element of the national flag with the back having the thin line down the middle, there's also little uh, Easter egg details, we call. So it's maybe not communicated, but we're aware of it working on the design. So you'll see the front generally has three blue stripes. The back has four blue stripes, each one in their own way, referring back to the two previous World Cup wins of Argentina in 78 and 86. So we know this, it's maybe not always communicated, but it's also an opportunity to, to create something that, that they've never had before. And is immediately still and obviously an Argentina jersey. Talk me through the creative process. Like when does this start? How far out from the launch? And who is it that goes into these details? Presumably you need local help. Presumably you're working with people on the ground, but how many people are involved in just taking, you know, the initial idea of we need a new shirt for the Argentina national team through this incredible level of detail to the launch of the actual product. So, I mean, total number of people, because like I said, we are talking about a team that work on base styles. You're talking about designers, marketeers, engineers, local market, global, uh, us here at Adidas Global Headquarters in Germany. Uh, the calendar is generally around 18 months from when we first kick off a season. Obviously, remember... 18 months previous from this World Cup, we're all in COVID times, working from home, lots of teams meetings, uh, everything's done uh, virtually. So whereas we would normally travel to the local market in, in Argentina or Mexico, uh, this time it was all done virtually. We gather as many insights as we can from people in the market. Uh, are there stories that need to be told? Um, are there things we shouldn't go near? Are there any superstitions that federations maybe don't want to touch on? If there's too much of a reference to a previous win or World Cup or goal details, perhaps some federations or markets might feel, no, that's presumptuous. Others are totally fine with it. So it's not a one size fits all approach for everyone. Um, and yeah, you just, you have to be as well informed as you can. We have several 
milestones in the calendar were touch points with the Federation. Uh, and then we obviously want everyone to have a unique design. So we might have overarching themes of national DNA or progressive, progressive designs or consumers, but we also have to make sure that each is individual to the, to the Federation or the nation that we're handling. How about the second strip, the away kit? Is there a bit more license to innovate, to be more creative? If we talk about Argentina and um, Mateo, please jump in on the Japan uh, cherry blossom pink shirt, which is also being absolutely raved about. I mean, you know, it feels like everybody has got such complimentary things to say about that. But likewise, the Argentina away strip, the purple number, you know, that feels very, um, you know, 2022. That feels like that's something that couldn't have been done in a previous tournament. And probably feels like it would have been a bit of fun to work on as well. Uh, I mean, it's first of all, it's great that you say it was a lot of. It looked like it was a lot of fun to work on because Teo and I, as well as colleagues, are great friends, and uh, there's a lot of people in the team um, that we are friends with. So it, it definitely was a lot of fun. It's a huge honor, um, but it's probably a once in a lifetime opportunity. So if you don't make the most of it and have fun, then then what's the point? Uh, with Argentina away. Yes, very bold, progressive, very 2022 vibes, something the Fed have never had before. Um, again, that's that's going to have a mixed response because it doesn't have that nostalgic element to it. But no, in close collaboration, again, with our colleagues in the market, with the Federation, we wanted to tell a bolder story. Um, purple is the color of uh, the women's feminist movement and women's rights and equality throughout the world. So especially prevalent at this World Cup and where it is, but a story that we as Adidas also wanted to tell and that we want to stand for. And when we pitched the idea, glad to say that the market and the Federation were firmly behind it. Um, and yeah, it allowed for, like you said, a very bold, progressive design. But Argentina aren't the only one, right, Mateo? Yeah, Japan, yeah, yeah. Mexico are also. Yeah, so, I mean, Andy Andy mentioned it. When we look at the home and the away kit, I think an easy way to say this is, and you also tapped into this, Alex, when you think about Argentina, you think about a home kit. Argentina is a striped jersey, light blue and white. When you think about a, a Mexico jersey, it's green, you know. But when I ask you about an away jersey, well, then the opinions can be mixed. You know, there's not one idea of what that is. So in home, we went for this iconic simplicity of trying to make like a, the like an icon for the nation. Whereas on the away kit, we were like, right, let's let's be a bit more progressive. Let, let's explore where this country or with the, where the, this culture can go and can can do it in a, in a bit of a different way. For me personally, I was involved in the in the creation of the Mexico kids, and for for us in Mexico, the, the the story for Mexico was around Quetzalcoatl, the god of the sun, and basically this uh, deity has a terrestrial part and a, and a spiritual part, and we play that uh, in different ways between the home and the and the away kid. And on the away kit, we're talking about the terrestrial part. We're talking about the temples and mixtech art. And we brought in this all over, all over pattern that uh, has a lot of symbolism into, into Mexican pre-Hispanic cultures. But at the same time, you just look at it and it's a jersey that, that, that just jumps into the eye and, and feels completely unexpected. And uh, yeah, and, and we fulfilled the brief and we were very, very happy with that, with the result of, the, of how that came to life. You clearly have to work with the federations here. That That's obvious that you're speaking to them on a regular basis. You're having to get approval on designs. You're even getting input from them and inspiration. This might be a strange question, but are players ever involved as well? They are involved. They're more involved when it comes to the base design and making sure that we're creating best for the athletes. 
um, products so that they perform on pitch, uh, that they're absorbing moisture, keeping the players cool, dry, and ready to perform. In terms of opinion on the on the jerseys themselves, not so much. Uh, we obviously don't want them to play in something they're uncomfortable in, so the federation might include a key player here or there just to get initial thoughts and include that in their feedback to us. But we don't have roundtables with players to get their subjective opinion on a design because it's more what the Fed wants, what the market wants, what what we want to achieve as Adidas. So it's yeah, different yeah. different opinions uh, yeah. from the players. Interesting fact is the just just to add something there when when where players get a bit more involved is when it comes to goalkeepers and colorways. There there's certain goalkeepers that prefer certain colors. So. Uh, we many times with the, with the sports marketing teams they validate that sort of information, which I think it's it's interesting. Yeah, I mean they're the only guy wearing it, right? <laughs> yes. know, every, yeah. Everybody else is just one of ten, but uh, you know, plus the subs, the goalie's the only one. He, you know, he should yeah, get a bit more actually. in. But I remember I did talk to uh, Rob Warner, a kit, a kit designer, on a previous edition of the podcast, and he was telling me a story of a a former goalkeeper who he wouldn't name, who he said didn't like. Um, stripes he said it was it horizontal stripes uh, made him look uh, a little overweight so he came <laughs> the, the goalkeeper came to him directly and said come on don't put me in stripes again keep me so, in, keep uh, me in slimming black please <laughs> yeah 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 exactly exactly you guys mentioned um some of this performance technology and obviously the fact that the world cup's being held in qatar even in the winter uh, we've seen temperatures of over 30 degrees for, for certain matches did that impact on the designs of these kits our jerseys for the last three, four years now um, have featured heat-ready technology. So that's our authentic on-pitch match jersey, which is our peak technology in, in uh, moisture absorption and keeping the players cool and dry, like I mentioned. So luckily, we're always creating best for the athletes. Um, the fact that it's summer in Qatar and winter here, it, if it was a, a normal European or North American World Cup, it would also have been in the summer. So we, we keep that in mind. But we're players anyway when they perform, regardless of the conditions, are hopefully getting warm and you know putting in maximal effort. So uh, you said the temperature is higher than, than expected. But um, no, that's that's what we keep in mind when we're, when we're creating these matches. Yeah. yeah. Also, I mean, interestingly enough, again, just a, just a side comment. I mean, we always uh, added to the jerseys. We do create base styles. So tech fit that base layers that players use a lot, long sleeve and short sleeve. And also something we've seen also a lot this World Cup, and it has been also picked up by the media, is long sleeve jerseys. A lot of players wanting to play with long sleeve. And it's just... So when, so when you're creating these, these kits, where's the balance between creating them for the players? As you say, the performance is important, and every year, every tournament, there are new developments. And the fans, because football kits are becoming increasingly a fashion item, aren't they? Yeah, I mean... Luckily, we're designing onto this base. So the, the player performance aspect is, is ticked already. It's tested on players with amateurs, professionals. It's then our job to bring a mix of what the federation, what the team want to wear and be seen on pitch, and then what we want to create and be seen as as a brand, what we want to tick for our consumers. We might have different consumers on home and away jerseys, like you said. Uh, home might be the more traditional fan expecting that that throwback look or that traditional look uh, away is then the bolder look, right? The fan that that maybe doesn't just wear it to play football and wears it with jeans and goes out in it with friends. Or as we're seeing with the younger fans today, they're wearing it in more and more lifestyle um, scenarios and settings. So we're definitely, that is obviously we're aware of it. We keep it in mind and we try to try to keep everyone happy with what we do. 
not everyone's going to like everything, but uh, try to please as many people as you can with, with the different jerseys and use those as different opportunities. Is this the famous bloke core you're touching on? Famous bloke core, yeah. yeah. For, for those, if there's anyone listening who doesn't know what bloke core is, and I have to admit it's fairly new to my vocabulary, uh, could you explain what bloke core is? This trend, 60 million views on TikTok, it's racked up so yeah. far. Uh, blowcore is young people today dressing like their dad in the 90s. <laughs> no, wearing football jerseys with jeans, uh, wearing it, yeah, like I said, down the pub or out with friends, social settings, like not wearing jerseys for what their original intent was. So, uh, yeah, trends, trends come and go. And this is one that's very on trend at the moment. Um, was probably just starting as a trend when we kicked off the whole creation process for the World Cup. But seeing it coming in more and more with football jerseys and also people buying into retro looks and jerseys from the 90s and, and early 2000s. So, yeah, yeah it yeah. doesn't look like it's going anywhere anytime soon. What's important to say is we, we appreciate these trends and we, we believe that anyone can use a jersey in the way they want to, be it performance or lifestyle. But at the end of the day, when we build products and add it as football, the main goal is sports, it's performance, it's football on pitch meaning that we're a sports brand and that is our main aim. If that is then taken to a different landscape or in a different setting, happy to do so. But when we create product, we, we want we want to provide that that best for the athlete. And that's that's the main focus. So thinking about players first and fans is sort of secondary consideration. In terms of construction of the kit, yes, like we we are an authentic football brand. That's where we where, where we were born and where we live. You know, so not only for players, but also for fans. But we, we take inspiration from different parts, but we don't, so to say, we, we appreciate fashion. We, we don't want to create a fashion football kit, so to say. Yeah. We create a football kit. Yeah, we don't want to sacrifice performance elements for, for, the, for a trend. We, it's always got to be athlete first and trend second. When you say you appreciate fashion and trends, was there anything in particular that influenced these 2022 kits? Um, were there any things that were going on out there, whether it was celebrities uh, or, you know, Paris Fashion Week or the catwalk in Milan that you thought, you know what, that's something that people are talking about. That's something that people are getting into and I want to have that in my shirts. I think the main, I mean, I, I touched into the, the topic of uh, authenticity and uh, the kid needs to be authentic to to who we are creating for and, and to the federation that it is. And in some cases, they might have some fashion elements, but we, we don't push for that if it's not authentic, so to say. So in, in this case for federations, I see it more as a, a things of, of that nation and of that uh, a, a specific cultural aspects. If we build for a nation that wants to have that, premium or luxury look or has a big DNA into that sphere, into that scene, then maybe that, that could be a, a different story and something to, to tap into depending on, on the personality of that federation or eventually of a club. And I think we look at more demographically um, when it comes into jersey design. So who, who exactly are we creating for? Uh, where are they from? What age group do they sit in? What do they expect from a jersey? Again, that's that's why you see across our home jerseys more of that traditional look and feel and why you see across the away jerseys that maybe more youthful, energetic, unexpected feel. Um, so it's it's more yeah consumer driven than an event driven or a specific 
trending or or what a celebrity is wearing at that time. But of course, everything feeds into culture, right? So is a celebrity doing it because it's a trend or is it a trend because a celebrity is doing it? It's chicken and the egg kind of scenario. That cultural crossover is undeniable though now. You know, the, the people who have very little interest in what happens on the football pitch will have an interest in a particular football jersey to the point that they'll wear it. And celebrities is part of that. You mentioned celebrities. I mean, and it's not even just people who you might think wear it. You know, it's not just, um, you know, an English celebrity wearing the England shirt at the World Cup, you know, or, or it's it's beyond that. It's celebrities even from with nothing to do with football. I'm thinking about Drake. I'm thinking about Rihanna. Mm-hmm. I saw Mike Tyson in a in a football shirt uh, not that long ago. Do you think about these people when you're designing the shirts? Is it like a badge of honor? You're like, hey, that's my shirt, and Mike Tyson's wearing it now. I see Matteo shaking his head. I've had a, I've had Justin Bieber sent to me. I, he doesn't message me, but I've had a, <laughs> I've had an image of Justin Bieber wearing the Argentina home jersey. And you're right, it's completely random. There's no link there between Justin Bieber. Argent, an Argentina home jersey and me sitting here in German headquarters, Adidas headquarters in Germany. It's a, it's amazing endorsement. Uh, it's great that they're doing it. But again, I don't think it's specifically linked to that jersey. It's the World Cup's going on. The world is watching it. Uh, everyone's talking about it. It's all over social media. People are, I guess, celebrities are showing that they're, they're aware, right? Um, and yeah, it's just, it's great that football is, entering these other worlds outside of just the football or just the stadium. Um, it's, it's crossing into everything now. So other brands are, are looking to get into it. Adidas is authentically and at its core, a football brand. So we're always creating, always creating jerseys, always creating for these tournaments for the players. And the fact now that it's, that it's entering these other worlds is it's crazy. It's great. It's, it's good for us. It's good for the game and yeah, long may it continue. I want to talk about, football kits being leaked and this is slightly merging the world of design and marketing but um, I know that for designers football kits being leaked must be so frustrating but at the same time you guys talked about an 18 month process and the idea with lots of people involved over the course of 18 months that these kits or at least the idea of the kits won't be leaked is kind of impossible these days this year it feels like Adidas did things a little bit differently in terms of some deliberate kit leaks like Adidas were in control of the kit leaks rather than having just the launch with the players uh, which maybe typically would have been um, the route that uh, Adidas would take when um, when revealing these kits they did things like uh, Jamie Jones DJing at Glastonbury uh, Creamfields sorry wore the Wales kit and that was the first time anybody saw the Welsh kit I know that uh, the Japanese kit was revealed in manga comics I believe um was that was that a sort of particular strategy like behind that? Like we're going to own the pre-launch leak, or was it just let's take advantage of a particular opportunity and get eyeballs on these kits in a different way to the way that they usually would be? I think your final line there it's it's spot on. I mean, it's like you said, it's impossible to control the leaks. We have such a long calendar and timeline. There's so many people involved and so many different people that kits and designs need to be shared with. Um, obviously, we would never intentionally leak a jersey or put it online if, if it wasn't a part of a strategy or part of a consumer that we wanted to connect with. So I think in this case, there, there were certain strategies in certain markets. Um, and yeah, it was great that it, that it was 
that it went down so well that it was noticed. And again, it's it's tapping into where football is going, right? It's it's moving into new fields. It's social media nowadays. Designs are throughout those eighteen months. I'm not sure how many fake or supposed leaks of the Argentina jersey I, I came across before you stumbled across the real one. But there's so many out there that uh, you're constantly getting questioned on what's real. So the fact that we could almost control the narrative this time is, uh, yeah, new approach that I think took some some people by surprise. Does it frustrate or delight when you see the leaked kits? You know, yet another Argentina one. It's wrong. You know it's wrong, but presumably Adidas don't come out every time and say, nope, that's another guy photoshopping away at home and I uh, say, pretending he's... I always respond with no comment. <laughs> I get asked so many times, so as long as my answer is, is consistent, then no one no one knows to, what to expect. But that's also the thing, like, it's entirely confidential. So even friends and family, you keep it you keep it under wraps until it's until it's out there, and then, yeah... You get sent a lot. <laughs> maybe in that case, maybe all the fake ones actually help you when the real one gets leaked because there's been 20 different ones. You've said yeah. no comment to all of them. So, yeah. you know, it's hardly like everybody can be um, certain that that's the real one. The good thing is if you get sent it and they're like, oh, I hope it's this one and it turns out to be that one, then you know you're onto a winner. So. Terrific. Gents, I'd like to finish uh, by talking about favorite kits. It's an evocative subject, I think, for every football fan. And as we've discussed with this cultural crossover, um, non-football fans. What, for you guys, are the greatest ever Adidas World Cup kits through the years? I'm going to say, I mean, for me, it's nostalgia. It's it's the first you remember. Uh, World Cup 98, for me, was the first one that I remember watching with family and friends sitting around. So that, that France kit that year, incredible, incredible that France would go on to win it. But then also from a personal point of view, it's a while since Ireland qualified for a World Cup, World Cup 94 USA. That's for me a, a personal a personal highlight and one that I, I've managed to get my hands on. So hopefully hopefully Ireland can qualify again in the future and hopefully it's us it's us creating that. You thought? Yeah, I don't have one yet. I I wouldn't I would I mean as a World Cup, I just want to highlight ninety-four. Whenever you look at that World Cup and at the at the rich kits and graphic component to it, it's just like a like a, a benchmark forever of, of what can be done in terms in terms of kids. I think yeah, I, I like more loud kids than than sober or elegant kids. But uh, yeah, I think yeah, whenever that World Cup, when I look at that World Cup, it, it just that never ceases to to amaze me. Um, it could never be done again, could it? Though I mean, that World Cup '94, it was so '90s. You know, it was loud kids, but you couldn't do that now. We're too serious. We take ourselves too seriously. Especially the goalie kits back then. I mean, kit designers must have just been enjoying themselves and also chuckling away, thinking we're going to get that goalkeeper in that kit. I think one thing we can touch on, though, is there's probably more There's more regulations now than there were back in the 90s, back in the 80s. There's FIFA, there's UEFA, there's Premier League. There's Everyone has a say on, on what can and can't be seen. I think there's also an intent now... For who's watching uh, on TV, we're, we're bringing into account people of, with colorblindness. Um, so these loud, bold graphics, they were era-defining. It was, you see it, you're like, that's a 90s jersey, and it was amazing. But they wouldn't even, a lot of them wouldn't even be possible for us to create now if, if we wanted to. So it's not it's not just the trends, it's not just us. It's also regulation-wise and what we're allowed to create. That, that means 
yeah, they were a once once in a lifetime kind of kind of thing, and it's it's also why we look back at them so fondly, right? Because yeah. but also like like going going now into twenty two. I mean, yeah, ninety four is a is an absolute benchmark. But I think when I look into twenty two, and we started creating this a couple of years ago, it's about creating a legacy. In ten, twenty years time, we're going to look back into this World Cup and what we created, and like Andy's going to be able to say that he was part or he was the product manager for creating an Argentina Purple Awakening. You know, and uh, I think that's that's the way what we create is like we we want to do something new, something unexpected, something that is not recreating the past, but actually building the future. You know, how important do you think success on the field is in terms of creating that legacy? You know, it was interesting, Andy. You you mentioned France '98 champions mm-hmm. and Ireland '94. You know, um, obviously uh, for the you know nation of Ireland, you know, a successful time. Yeah. So. Um, you know, when you're creating your kits and, and Mateo, you know, obviously Mexico, for the benefit of our listeners, we're recording this um, sort of halfway through the round of 16. So Mexico no longer in the competition. Do you think that will negatively impact on future perceptions of the kit? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, football, I mean, in, in football kits is such an emotional topic. So many people have a view about it. And I dare see that might be awful or not well received you win a championship with it and it's up and it automatically transforms itself into a instant classic and into a, a an object of, of desire uh, i think that comprises 95 percent of the opinions and and people then you have that five percent that is when you have one kit that is so outstanding that no matter how good or bad that federation is that kit is just there for Therefore, eternity, so to say. But in terms of like football connoisseurs or fans of that of that type of like football culture, you know. Yeah, and just again bringing it back to Argentina a little bit, but we're all aware this could be Lionel Messi's final World Cup, right? So I'm obviously aware of that in the creation of it, you don't want to do anything that oh my god, I can't believe they would make Messi wear this. That is what could be his final World Cup. But it's also what makes them so iconic. And the further Argentina go, the better they do in this jersey, the more iconic those jerseys become. So fingers crossed they can go all the way. Uh, Messi can lift lift the trophy in one of those two, and then they become an all-time classic. And that's your shirt forever. My shirt forever. <laughs> it's Adidas' shirt forever. <laughs> Andrew, Mateo, let's leave it there. It's been a brilliant insight into the world of kit design, a lovely trip down memory lane at the end there too. Thank you both very much for your time. Alex, thank you very much. Thank you, Alex. And thank you, listener, for tuning in. Please make sure you're subscribing to the podcast if you want to hear future episodes. All the best. The Football Co. Business Podcast. The most creative minds and innovative thinkers in football.